Welcome to Minority Corner, where we take an introspective look at the world through an intersectional lens. I'm James, he, him. I'm a queer political activist, actor, comedian, self-proclaimed sexy blurb. That's a um, black nerd. And each week I'm joined in the corner by other fabulous minorities and some allies tackling the news, pop culture, politics, media, entertainment, and history with a little self-care, self-love sprinkled throughout, all for our own personal and collective empowerment. Hey everybody, welcome to an all new episode of Minority Corner. Have we got quite the episode for you. So, affirmative action, y'all, it could be struck down this year before our very eyes as the Supreme Court is about to uh, see a case that the conservatives have been pushing for it and they found the perfect defendant to make them seem not so racist. So... What do we think? Well, Emerald and I will unpack this. Plus, we give our two cents on Whippy Goldberg's, uh, you know, she you might have heard recently, uh, she had had comments about the Holocaust. She had an apology, but she was also suspended for two weeks. So we unpack all of that. But is this a double standard when Joe Rogan is still able to just be Joe Rogan? We discuss. Plus, Emerald dishes on rock climbing while black. Her experiences watching Euphoria in the anime shows that have caught her eye. Before we get into the show, you're going to be hearing me talk about this a lot. Y'all, I have a new daily morning show. It's called Get On Up with Jam and Renee. Uh, I encourage y'all to tune in. It is every 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Pacific time. If you're on the East Coast, that is 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. East Coast, and then everything in between. If you have an Alexa device, you just say open back channel in between that time, and you'll see me along with Renee Colvert from Can I Pet Your Dog? So come on over, get to hang out with me, every morning it'll be so great and you can also stream it on youtube at back channel so if you go over to back channel we're going to have a link in the show notes so you can check it out but for now let's get on into the show it is time to learn laugh and play right here on minority corner so um this happened recently the u.s supreme court said that it would take up a pair of cases that would decide the future of affirmative action um, there are a few different universities that are being called into question. Um, I believe the main one is Harvard, but there's a few of them that are all kind of being lumped together. So what had happened was is a so there's been this conservative action committee that for the longest time has been trying to like they have just been salivating to just get rid of that affirmative action. They're like, this isn't fair to white people, black people. You have a president. You've had enough, sir. You're not in chains. What else more do you need? And so, but no one's going to hear a bunch of white people complaining about this. But what they found is there is a group of Asian American students who feel like they have been discriminated against. Um, they have this idea that, you know, uh, that these universities have these quotas and that's why they are were not allowed in. And so the plaintiffs for these cases are not actually white. They are actually Asian. And so this is the court that is going before our current Supreme Court. That oh, is very, no. as people say, oh, there's no bias. No, no, no. It is a 6-3 Supreme Court. Um, they are not 
going to go in favor of these universities. They will absolutely. And because like on face level, they can easily say they're like, oh, well, I mean, listen, like these, you know, they're not white people complaining. It's these they're Asian students. So they found their their. The, and again, this conservative action committee that has been rallying for this was looking for the perfect poster child plaintiff for this. And they found it in these this group of, you know, um, you know, and I'm trying. Hopefully, I'm not painting like people think I'm painting a broad brush and trying to be like, oh, all Asian students. It's not at all. I'm talking about these specific group of people who feel that they have been um, uh, discriminated against because of affirmative action. To which I would invite them to have more conversations and to look at like all the data and demographic points because um, and it's not the case. There's this idea that people think that affirmative like universities have quotas they don't they don't they sometimes look and they say the data does show that whether it's businesses or universities the more diverse your campus is or your business is going to be it's going to be for the better you and i did improv together the best teams were the ones that were diverse which is why we had a team called token we had a little bit of everything (laughs) but the ones that were just like five white guys and a white lady boring as fuck it was the worst com- it was all from the same viewpoint so same thing right. in comedy you get different people together the comedy gets better it gets more interesting you can go to more interesting places and same thing with businesses they have better 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 business decisions by 86 percent. they see a better uh increase in, in business decisions by 86 percent um increase in revenue by 19 percent because they're making better business decisions like everyone benefits from this um and so there's not quotas necessarily but universities have wised up of like oh we don't want right and it's important that you bring up the kind of like positive results of affirmative action like on the other end of things because i've always looked at it just purely from a perspective of accessibility Mm -hmm. and Mm. how while there are certain people who come from communities who have access to resources like tutors Mm -hmm. or um, college readiness in general because many of their family members went to college and they have an easy roadmap whereas say just speaking from i statements my own community there weren't a ton of people who were college ready had that roadmap Um, It was definitely a journey that I had to feel out on my own. Mm -hmm. So I feel like what affirmative action does is compels the universities to have more outreach in other communities, like, right, not the obvious ones. so yeah, yeah, it's unfortunate. Well, and and the data actually shows that they're first. So again, displaying this point that there's these quotas that you know universities have not at all. Um, they look and they try to say, how do we have a more well-rounded school and program? Any university I would want to go to. Um, and then on the other point, there actually is affirmative action in terms of when you have these legacy students. How many of these legacy students get let in? Um, and so there is there is avenues that tend to favor white rich students from easily entering into university. Like you were saying with, um, you know, uh, having, having this sort of access. And so it's sort of just like the anger is being put at the wrong space. And this goes back to um, kind of like, with, with, cause like even it's so wild, everything old is new again. And that's just racism. Um, she never going away. She back. Um, 
bigger and better than ever. And now she got Instagram. So <laughs> she, now she has TikTok. Now she got TikTok. And it's true. Racism got TikTok now. And so there's dances, oh there's goodness. algorithms. I mean, she is a hit, a huge social media influencer. She, she really is. And just even to linger on that for one second, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you saw, but there was a report that showed like creators that profited the most mm. off of TikTok. Mm-hmm. So just like creating content and then be as a result of like getting in numbers, be then becoming rich and they're all white. Yeah. Yes. There's not one person of color. Right. Absolutely. And I'm sure some of them were doing some like twerk dancing or like just again appropriating but and that but that's a story as old as time right we can create music and then a white person does it and it blows up and it'll just you know that much more or we can create a sitcom about young uh 20 somethings living in new york uh navigating their life call it living single and then a year later carbon copy white people do it call it friends and it blows up and it's this cultural icon yeah. right so we we yeah. hear so Similarly, how we're seeing voting rights in our lifetime being dismantled. This reminds me of that Ruth Bader uh, Ginsburg quote uh, when she had the uh, dissemination against when they were like, oh, yeah, we don't need to, you know, voting, voting rights, civil rights. You know, we're, we're good. We've done it. She said throwing out preclearance when it has worked and is continuing, continuing to work to stop discriminatory changes. It's like throwing away your umbrella in a rainstorm because you're not getting wet. So. Just because you're seeing pockets of success or things like that happening does not mean that we have solved our, our, our like you know issues around bias and things like that. I will say though something that is on a positive spin that might combat this. So affirmative action might end, but because of the parallelogram or the Pandemia Lovato or the Pandemia Anderson, <laughs> the Panini Press, the Pterodactyl, the Panera, the Panera. I so last year they did away with the SATs because the kids couldn't take the test and so they Mm. no longer made it a requirement they said buy SATs buy ACT and they still let folks in universities like Harvard and other big name schools all the I went to a UC I went to UC uh UC, UC Santa Cruz all the UCs are doing away with it and soon for the next four years they're gonna test it no longer it's optional no longer sat or act requirement and some like the ucs are actually going to say like well if you do it we don't even want to see it so you can send it in they're like okay i don't care that's a number whatever no need to see it (laughs) so what's exciting about this because it goes back to your other point is that so much of these are about access sats and act it's a fucking scam it is a fucking scam scam totally because you, you have to spend, spend all this money on prep. And it's again, goes back to the kids who can afford it. And you're also, I mean, it's a multiple choice test. Like you're studying for this exact exam. It's garbage. And so what this might also do, and they found that universities that don't have it as a requirement, see a higher amount of minority and underrepresented groups even apply to those universities. So then their numbers also just mm-hmm. increase because they just have more students even applying to there. So this might be a workaround for not for if and when the affirmative action gets struck down. Right. It could balance it out. It could kind of like serve as a substantial replacement for it. And it's so true because with SATs and ACTs, it's again, 
another one of those things that you really need kind of someone showing you the ropes and how to navigate it Mm -hmm. a tutor Mm -hmm. you have to take practice exams which which costs money um and then even outside of just accessibility alone you know it, it also is very specific to that type of student who's good at test taking. Yes. Yeah. And I was not one of those. Me neither. And they even, I mean, there's even some like high achieving students <laughs> like myself who just couldn't, <laughs> who just wasn't good. Like, I don't even, rem- I can, I think I maybe got like, maybe I, I know I had to retake the SATs twice uh, or chose to. I think I maybe got a 1200 or maybe 1100. It wasn't cute. I was not doing, I was taking e- AP classes. Like, it, it, it just it's such bullshit and just the stress I other things I'd rather be doing like actually studying for my actual exams or in my actual class it's just it's so garbage so I guess that's the silver lining out of it but it's just kind of it's heartbreaking <laughs> disappointing to see all the different ways that these old-timey okay. racist ass laws are all coming back and it's like, actually charging for um one thing I wanted to say is I we talked about you know Joe Rogan had not really apologized like even had said the n-word and uh, several times and then even the rock sometimes the rock just like I'm like I have to take you off my vision wall because he's like oh like Joe Rogan did a non-apology and he's like well said brother I can't wait to come onto your show and share some have a tequila and then someone was like um what about all these other times and he's like oh I I'm sorry. I'm still learning. <laughs> okay, Rock. I uh, but like so very much like not apology. Then you go to like Whoopi Goldberg, and again, still this like double standard. Like I saw the View episode. They were having a conversation about the Holocaust, and you're also seeing a black woman who, in America, we were taught that our caste system, which we have, was defined by race, and race was the color of the skin. That was the system that this white supremacy has created. And that's what she grew up in, in the, you know, she was grew up in the South, Jim Crow. Like she has witnessed and, and seen that she had said, no, no, no. The Holocaust was not about races. It was about man's uh, inability to, to be human. It was about like, you know, being, uh, I forget the exact quote. Um, actually I have it here. Whoopi said, you know, let's be truthful. The Holocaust isn't about race. Um, the Holocaust was instead about man's inhumanity to man so that was her viewpoint that she was seeing and experiencing people called her out for it they were like actually you know the jewish people have been defined as a race and even hitler defined them as you know this vermin in a race and thousands of years of persecution that they've experienced uh sounds familiar not that it's the oppression olympics but no we're right there solidarity we got you um and she even so much the next day, and this all came out because Tennessee is trying to ban the graphic novel Mouse, which is an amazing graphic novel by Art Spiegelman. We read it in college. Um, and the Jonathan Greenbaut, the CEO of the Anti-Defamation League, he condemned, condemned Whoopi Goldberg's comments. She even had him come to the show the next day and they had a really amazing conversation conversation she'd apologize you could see that she was learning and growing and then you know the view still i kicked her off the show for two weeks so they you know sent her on home and it's just sort of interesting the sort of i don't even know you call it a double standard it's not even double standard it's just like there's two different games being played right and Whoopi even said she's like you know what i respect their decision like you know i'm gonna take this time to learn and reflect and and you said Joe Rogan it's just so interesting the different lanes available to these two human beings because the game is different 
Yeah, it's so true. And it's interesting that you bring it up because it's almost as if Black women were taught to be overly apologetic and take mm. a moment to learn, whereas white men who are very used to walking the earth in a very un, like I'm untouchable, um, don't know how to apologize or feel like they even need to. That there's something that they have to, right? Like. I don't know. Joe Rogan, Moffin, I'll exactly. say the N-word, like, any amount of times is, like, you're a grown-ass man. You knew it wasn't right. And, again, if you have people in your life that are listening to this guy's podcast because he just tells it like it is, I have questions for you. I have questions about you. Um, I don't want to see that you had some sort of black square on your Instagram because you're not about the work. You're not really doing it. And so if you have friends who listen to a show – Ask them questions. Challenge them. Because before you know it, they're about to storm that capital. That's a, it's a slippery slope. It is a slippery right. slope. Those are your friends. <laughs> One second you're listening to Joe Rogan. It happens. It, ha- it could happen. I won't say to the best of us. It happens to white people. And some some black people get caught up in it. <laughs> I'm seeing these clips of the Trump rally. And I'm just like, they are just any black person they can find. They're putting them in there. And it's always like blacks for Trump on some T-shirt. It's like blacks for Trump. Doesn't sound right because that's not how we would call ourselves. There's no blacks for any. You're not saying the right thing. You can say the black community. You can say black folks. You can't say blacks. It doesn't. It sounds racist because it is. You just can't. Colored. Colored exactly. people for Trump. Wrong. You might as well just go there. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Mm, see, it's sort of like even you could equate that to unpacking things like racism, uh, all kinds of things. So speaking of racism, a lot of things are happening right now. I would be remiss if we didn't. It's been an ongoing drama and saga of Joe Rogan. And the Spotify thing, um, mixed feelings. I'm sure. And here's, here's the thing is that like Joe Rogan's always been garbage, but now everyone's like, we got to stop him. And so Joe Rogan has had a lot of, you know, conspiracy theories and a lot of in like unfactual stuff about COVID. We are in a public health crisis. So what he says is dangerous, but I would also push back that like, racism is a public health crisis homophobia is a public health crisis because the things that he says puts people's lives in danger and you know he's transphobic things um and again a community that is like has the highest uh you know being murdered and you know harassed um but it was like I think it's is it because it's something that is affecting white people that people are like oh no we gotta stop stop this man Mm mm-hmm I think so. And it's, it's incredible how this one very specific pocket of the industry has brought together, you know, people who want to bring about change. So listen, what got me about Joe was India mm-hmm. Irie. Okay. Yeah. Tell, I was okay, like, tell us, tell us. Okay. I need to have my India Irie on Spotify. Oh, did she take her music off too? She's planning to. Okay. She's planning to take her music down, not because of, you know, she said she agree with the artists who are doing it because of his false claims around COVID, but she said specifically because of his 
like very persistent racism um, and use of the n-word which is icky yes. joe yes. rogan is just a salty soggy bun just you know in the middle of a street and that's that's how i think about joe rogan <laughs> yeah i mean and here's the thing i do, do you go back and forth because i when i am like okay sure freedom of speech da, da, da. but you also have to have consequences for the speech that you also you know give and it, I don't call it cancel culture. I always call it accountability culture. Mm-hmm. And there is a public health crisis that is, you know, sort of happening. And I guess it's sort of like maybe I'm just so numb to the racism that gets spewed on Fox News or Rush Limbaugh or because he's a stone's throw away from that. But he's been just sort of like nuanced. Like, I, you know, you have, you know, friends that have are low, deficient who don't have a lot of melanin and they'll tell you oh i watch you know joe rogan he just says it like it is or that they have this idea that they can filter out his more problematic things right but it, i've always and it's just like i don't know i've had some really interesting sort of like conversations with people who are like oh no i listen to joe rogan and like just swear by him but i'm like but you're then you're having a conversation with me and then trying to get in a debate with me, and that's where you're coming from. And, like, he is a very nuanced perspective, and you're not hearing the full story of my experience and, and what I am also going through. He is not the gospel. It's similar to South Park. I'm like, these two white boys are not the gospel on all of these issues. No, they aren't. And it kind of goes back to what we were talking about before, which is, Joe Rogan is not the only one Mm -hmm. speaking, you know, there are other people, right? There are people who get, who have podcasts who are black women, Asian women, you know, giving their perspective on the same things that Joe Rogan is talking about. Why would you Mm -hmm. go to the, Mm -hmm. the only narrative, right? The common narrative, which is like a white man's perspective on all these topics when you have yeah um, of so many amazing creators a smorgasbord i mean well you don't got to tell these listeners they're here listening to us they're like oh i already know i'm nibbling this over here nibbling, <laughs> nibbling that over there a little nib nib yeah I, I i just i think it and even roxanne gay took uh her podcast um mm-hmm. off as well and she had a very interesting tweet she was like this probably won't do anything it's a drop in the bucket but whatever i'm uh she's like yeah it won't move any sort of needle but i removed my podcast from spotify that's all there really is to say onward um i guess in in Brene brown who i live by her podcast lives on spotify um what she's what they she had put pause on her podcast but um she has a contract with them and uh she now i guess what they've done spotify is putting a disclaimer before joe rogan's podcast is sort of like a we're doing something about it but i mean i mean i guess in some ways maybe at least it's something for those people who are not quite that far down the rabbit hole of like the deep state and uh, jfk is coming back to crown trump the president QAnon, drinking baby's blood yep if you're not that far down, maybe you'll hear that disclaimer and give a little pause of like, oh, what he's the disclaimer that maybe this isn't all factual. Should I mm. investigate someone else's news? Should I right. listen to Minority Corner? <laughs> Should I? <laughs> you're so right. It reminds me of when you remember when Disney put the disclaimer yes! before everything yes. on their platform. Yep. Like I'm very yep. curious if that was successful. If that made people like ponder and think about 
the very precious movies that they used to watch as kids, including yeah. myself. True. Know, at least it's something. <laughs> <laughs> and at least it's something, right, to give that sort of pause of, like, you know, just just you know, thing of, like, there's, you know, racist, these images have never been okay, we're going to put this forward the way it is, but at least sort of gives that pause because, yeah, you just see those, you know, black crows in Dumbo, and you just start, in the back of my black mind, I'm like, oh, something seems a little, is they, this seems weird, this seems a little shucking and jiving i'm 10 <laughs> whatever do, 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 dumbo, dumbo, dumbo. but they're singing a good song i so love i'm, I'm tapping my toes i'm tapping my toes <laughs> does sound like my uncle but it's one of those things of like i can say this and make this joke but you can't right well i also wonder too i was like wow our sp- minority corners on on spotify i'm like should we pull out should we pull out million dollars to do his fucking podcast and doesn't even research. And we do so much research preparing for this podcast. We've read a lot of heart. It's a small team. He's got this massive team, hundred million dollars. And it's just, it's just fascinating because I've been in the game of podcasting for seven years and I just, it's fascinating to me for someone to get paid that much and just to show up and be a non-helpful garbage person. I just don't understand how, I feel like we're trying to put goodness out into the world and I don't feel like that is the same motivation. Yeah, it deeply saddens me when anyone has a huge platform and just doesn't use it to, you know, be knowledgeable, spread awareness and be more conscious about what they're saying. And that was in part what uh, NDRE mm. was saying. You're is like, that back to you're- my girl, India. India Ari, because she is, she heals you on a Sunday. You know? <laughs> I didn't realize what an India Ari stand you were. I didn't know. She heals you on a Sunday mm. before you go into into your week. Um, but she said, you're using my streaming dollars mm. to give him money, that $100 million or however much it was. Mm. You're using my streamers, my listeners and the money that you get from that to pay him. And then on the other side, what am I Yeah, getting? I think at the same, you know, it goes back to eventually you can't serve two masters, right? Like you are either going to be a Fox News or an MTV. You, you are a platform, but you're also, you're responsible for everything that's on there. Um, and so you have to decide what is, and this goes with Twitter, with Facebook, like you, you can't, everyone trying to have it both ways and serve things but it's just eventually you're gonna have to pick you have to pick a side you gotta pick a side there's a reason why we've not had joe rogan on this podcast you know exactly reason why i don't like him and i think i'm jesse thorne this week on bullseye david byrne on the talking heads easing back into live performance and the magic of doo-wop. You don't get it very much, people doing dip 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 whoa, whoa, You don't get a lot of that. <laughs> Listen to Bullseye from MaximumFun.org and NPR. Hi, I'm Biz. And I'm Teresa. And we're the hosts of One Bad Mother, a podcast about parenting. Parenting is hard, and we have no advice. But we do see you doing it. Hulk, if you like to do it. <laughs> Didn't we have a bumper sticker a while back that was like, yeah. honk if you did it. That's what it I was. I think it was honk if you're doing it. <laughs> <laughs> Why did we not ever make those? those we are did make them. I think <laughs> they're still in the Max Fun store. 
honk honk, you're doing it. (laughs) Thanks, Biz. So are you. Each week, we'll be here to remind you that you're doing a good job. You can find us on MaximumFun.org. Honk honk. Toot toot. Emerald Anime Corner. I'm so curious about how you're going to tie in some of these things I see on the dock. I am on a Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. Please take me. Well, buckle up because Sundays are the wild rides. Sundays are the days to look forward to now because I, I've been. Move re- over Friday. Move over Friday. <laughs> Move over Saturday. There's a new day in town. It's Sunday. <laughs> it's a new dog in town. His name is Sunday and he's tired of you guys just crapping on him. <laughs> get out of here. Get out of here. <laughs> Um, so Sundays are really big right now. As you know, I'm I'm big on animation. It's what I live and breathe, and that includes anime. And uh, there are two really big animes out right now. One of them is Demon Slayer. The other one is Attack on Titan. And can I I I I want I tried watching both, and I love anime. Emerald, I'm having difficulty. Here's my difficulty, and maybe this goes back to like. I like pretty things because my issue with Demon Slayer is that knot on the head is just, I can't look at it. It's got that knot on the head. Does it go away? Tanjiro's scar? It has a story. It has a deep story. You should know that any small detail in anime, (laughs) any imperfection on a main character has some deep story shrouded in trauma. Uh (laughs) <laughs> does it get heals as no, a boy can i do it a part of it okay so i don't know if i can do it because i'm like mm, i don't like the way that looks um That's and fair. then attack on titan everyone swears by it but like those meat monsters those big giant meat things i they're so disgusting they're to look of at. nightmares i truly had nightmares <laughs> the first few weeks watching the, the anime watching the show they go away everyone swears by it but i'm like how do i get through these walking bags of monster meats <laughs> Monster meat, monster match. No, monster they don't go mash away. Meats. They never okay, go. so I don't know that I can do this. I want to. I love an anime. I need. To, I need to move on past Sailor Moon or uh, Full Metal Alchemist. Yes, was, I love that one. Full Metal Alchemist Both is versions. amazing. Brotherhood and the other one because I love it because they start off the same and they go in very different directions and I'm here for it. I loved them both. Right, exactly, and I mean. With Demon Slayer, it's kind of the same. They have really compelling, complex stories. You know, the main character really overcomes his trauma in a mm. in a way that informs his art style and how he fights. And just the concept of the Demon Slayer core is really, really cool because there are many different characters that are part of the Demon Slayer core that are each different in their own way like one is like super sexy and mysterious and oh. another one is kind of like he uses fire his name is rengoku oh. and he just looks beautiful um so that's that's oh can i just me. watch can i can i just watch their scene yeah you had me at I'll beautiful send you a compilation. <laughs> just theirs i get that knot head out of here i can't handle it this is too much is the sweetest he's so sweet and he carries around his sister I know. I was gonna say he's always crying about his sister. I had seen an episode or two. He's like, "No, get out of there. That's my sister." I watched y- Yasuke. That was good. I enjoyed that. One. That was good. That was very good. And it was featuring Lakeith Stanfield, 
It's always really yes, good to and hear. based on the real life black samurai. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that one was really fun to see in the anime genre for sure. But Sundays, James, have become hmm. the fun days because, like I said, it's Demon Slayer, it's Attack on Titan, but it's also Euphoria. I know, which, okay, so this is where I saw this on your list. It was like, anime, euphoria. I'm like, how's she going to weave these together? She's just going to say it. That's how. She's just going to say it. I was like, is there a euphoria anime? Is there just, no. This is how Emerald spends her Sundays. (laughs) All that matters is that there's a niche group of people in this world who all watch Demon Slayer, (laughs) Attack on Titan, and Euphoria on Sunday. And... I can relate to all of them. I haven't watched the latest episode. And I don't know when this one is coming out, but I will say my appreciation for Euphoria. One, I love that there's dicks every episode. <laughs> every episode. They, it's like they're their thing. They're like, I'm, we're always going to show you a dick. It's almost like making up for all the titty that they've been showing on HBO for years and nary a, a, nary a penis being shown and they're going to be like, oh no, we're going to show you nothing but dicks. <laughs> um, but watching Euphoria is such an interesting experience because like, for, I'm one, I'm like, these kids are so fucked up. Two, was I this fucked up in high school? Like, they're so, and it's almost becoming a little like, high, 9020 means breaking bad. I'm like, where are we going? Drug deals? Drug dealers? It's in- I mean, I remember when I was that age, when I was in high school, it was all about Degrassi. Degrassi was Mm. like almost equivalent, not that there were, you know, a ton of drugs involved and nudity. It was Canadian after all. (laughs) (laughs) It was a little bit more, they dealt with more subject matters than what we deal here in the U.S. There was like an abortion episode, like they were... Yeah, it, they covered all of their bases with teenage drama. Yeah. And it's really telling, though, about the teenagers who are coming up now and kind of like how they see themselves, not necessarily with the drugs and whatever. I just mean like what it says about identity, what it says about beauty and all that other jazz. Well, okay, question. Is this show... For teens or for adults? I couldn't. If I had a teenager, they would not be watching this show. If they were 17, sure, but we would have to have conversations. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I hear you. There would that. be with the caveat of like, it, it's so racy, it's so adult. And that's the thing where I kind of go back and forth euphoria because I'm just like, I want these. There are a lot of teens' sex on there. And I'm like, I have to remind myself, these are adults playing teens because it's a little like, what am I watching here? There's a lot of sex happening. They're teenagers. Is this show is there's no way the show is for teens. I don't are high schoolers watching this. I think they are. I really think they are. I think to your point, I think it's like late teens, you know, but like my 18 year old sister is watching it, but she's also 18. Wow. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I think that's I could see it like 17 and up. I, I couldn't. And I'm sure there are like teenagers sneaking and watching Probably. it because I was there. I was sneaking and watching all kinds of stuff on HBO when I was teen queer as folk, like all kinds of stuff. But it's I don't know that it's it, who is the target audience for Euphoria. That's the question. <laughs> That's the million dollar question. <laughs> 
who is it? I'm so, I'm so concerned. I'm concerned for everybody who's on that show. The acting is so amazing. The it actress is. who plays Maddie, I think, is my favorite because mm. she's so, I know that girl. We went to, everybody went to, knew a, Ma- a Maddie type. Just, she's so, I love the way, you never get to see that girl on TV, but we've seen her in real life. Right, exactly. I totally agree. Totally. Because they do kind of cover all of your basic Okay, you're going to be super invested, obviously, in Zendaya's character and Joel's mm-hmm. and, you know, everybody, Cassie for sure. But I, I love oh, that they Cassie, also. Cassie, what a mess. I know. I did a deep dive. There's a deep dive article that was like, Cassie has literally become a clown. <gasps> and there was an episode when she was putting all that makeup, waking up at like six o'clock, like four o'clock in the morning to put on like makeup. And, and the actress is very talented because she was also in White Lotus. Yes. She is not afraid just to like go there. And she's very attractive. Uh, but just to look stupid. She's so committed to each of her moments that like, she's not focused on like being pretty, even though she's a very attractive girl, but she's, you know, uh, yeah, I just really commend her for just she just goes for it. Yeah, absolutely. Just letting loose in the most vulnerable moments yeah. for the character. Yes. She doesn't shy away from it at all. <laughs> She's such a mess. She really is. They're all a mess, though. Only person who's not is Lexi. And I love Lexi's my favorite. Give me more screen time with Lexi because I know I'll be safe. Any of the other characters, the stakes are so high, it feels dangerous all the time. Yeah. And even like it's so interesting, they're like it's like all these teenagers and then they're like and then cal like, <laughs> is also there because cal is stuck mess. in his teen years oh, you know so his narrative folds in because mentally he's still stuck there that was like hit the height of his life in a way because he found mm. the love of his life when he was a teen and and he couldn't be with him because he was in the closet. Exactly. And it's interesting because, you know, he's coming to terms with his own sexuality and who he is, but he's also still an asshole. Mm-hmm. So it's good to know that, like, you can be, like, you know, gay and an asshole. I don't know. I just really appreciate that they're just like, he's still an asshole. And just because he, like, is coming to terms with it, it doesn't get any nicer. Yeah. Still, you're just like, oh, you're just an asshole. Yeah, they're not redeeming him in any way, shape, or form. They're they're no. kind of like he is who he is and this is also true about yeah. him yes like many things can can be true and i think that's what i really like about the show is like the complexity um of it and just always scared i think i love zendaya on the show i'm just scared anytime she's on tv on the screen because i'm like this what's gonna happen to my girl and so it, it feels safer when she's away because her world is so much more dangerous than the other other characters right. uh so yeah and I, I just i'm curious to see where the show goes but uh. me too also zendaya is such a great actress i feel like she's probably never done a drug in her life and she does an amazing job she she does you're really selling that <laughs> zendaya let me tell you she is and you know she's like so straight edge mm-hmm. and but she is just all the commitment yeah and i, I th- honestly i think it has a lot to do just with her natural persona like naturally Zendaya doesn't not have a very expressive face she doesn't have Mm. a totally expressive like voice either so I think that her I like to call it dead eyes she kind of has dead eyes (laughs) like there's no expression there and I think that definitely lends itself to the character 
I mean, she did it well as our MJ in the Spider-Man series as well. Just like she, she's hitting a note. She's hitting a note. Absolutely. She's almost like, she reminds me of, um, I'm going to forget her name. It's Kristen Stewart from Twilight. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. A little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. Just with their yeah. mannerisms in the like dead eye expression and like limited range mm. for facial expressions, but can still accomplish a role. <laughs> just showing you don't need a lot you don't need a lot she can give you so much she can give you absolutely so much i love it okay well we know you're doing that on sunday what else in 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 uh emerald's hodgepodge corner my little corner over here uh let me tell you i recently went climbing like bouldering for the first time oh. and it was such an interesting experience because in your adulthood it's rare that you try something new for the first time and you're so mm. bright-eyed about it and excited yeah. but nervous at the same time it's a whole new culture whole new people um and and on top of all that it's a physical activity <laughs> <laughs> were you at a climbing gym or like outside tom cruise style on the side of the mountain? oh i certainly was not on the side of the mountain i was <laughs> inside of a gym <laughs> What do you think I was upstate climbing? I don't know. I, you, you, you're a man taking you upstate. Oh, baby, we're going to climb on these rocks over here. Absolutely um, not. Absolutely <laughs> not. Uh, good. Glad. I, I've been to a I, I, I climbing gym in Brooklyn. There's some really nice ones. It's nice. Um, You feel like a badass. Exactly. you up there climbing. There's mm-hmm. something really, like, mentally freeing about the whole process I mean this is like really Mm. a reach but it's super symbolic of like just feeling your way until you get to the top right and there's struggles you have to strain muscles and figure it out and figure out what your next what your your next step is but then when you make it to the top it feels like a mini accomplishment and it's just nice Mm. to feel mentally um and there were definitely some that I I failed at (laughs) Yeah, but then you, but sometimes you try again, mm-hmm. you know, you're like, let me, I can do it. But you, you sometimes you're like, no, your body is actually incredibly tired and you can't. Um, don't enjoy the coming down part. <laughs> me either. I had a refresh <laughs> on my fear of heights, the one wall that I got up, and it was one that you climb on top of the actual wall and then climb oh, down. And of course, I was with sad. my friend who she's like, climbing rock star and she was like yeah you can do it just come down just come down you got it you got it <laughs> oh my gosh yeah you have that sort of like spider-man repel thing or like i'm a fireman repelling down thing don't like it don't like it don't like it at all and it doesn't you know you know that the floor is cushioned and it'll catch you and it's yeah. a soft wall but there's still something mentally that just is hard mm-hmm. to overcome don't love it um but what was really fascinating to me is when I was in the gym I also definitely had a moment where I was reminded at how exclusive these places are to Mm -hmm. black people and the black community because in the same breath when I was experiencing this moment of like this is a really cool activity um you know just it, it just feels like it'll be really good for my mental health and I looked around and there was majority white people doing the activity. It just really got me thinking. And I found some numbers, if I could share it. Mm, 
Please do. You know we love some data around data. here. Data. Um, so here it says, according to data from the U.S. Forest Service and National Park Service, about 40% of the population of the United States identifies as a minority group, but only 5% of national forests and park visitors identify as minorities, and only 1% of those identify as Black or African American. That's because inner city communities often lack the transportation and other resources they need to reach the outdoors. And that all makes sense. That all rings true, mm-hmm. especially, especially mm-hmm. the accessibility portion of it. But it's interesting because the outdoors is the outdoors. Everybody should have access yeah. to that. And especially the activities that surround that space and that are just so incredibly freeing and good for your mental health and I often think about how much weight you know you were you were talking a lot about um how last year you were like I'm gonna take it all in exhume the bodies Mm -hmm. and watch a bunch of heavy material um and that comes with weight especially yeah you know, just speaking from I statements, when I watch that stuff, I carry it because I'm thinking and reflecting. And I think about Mm. how you can be, you know, so, I don't want to say burdened. I think the proper word is when you engage with this heavy material, how helpful something like an outdoor activity could be, right? When you get outside, you go on a Mm. hike, feel the fresh air or climb something or swim in a lake. Um, yet those spaces are so white. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then it kind of, uh, again, it's hard for us to just really go in spaces and just fully enjoy it because we never get to stop being black. And I don't know. I'm just curious. Like, I can't imagine what it's like to just go into a room and not automatically look and see who else is like me. Mm-hmm. it's just an experience that I always have there's a thing it's just what we do it's like who else is also here we count the people and I'm just so curious I can't imagine what it's like for white folks to just kind of run around their lives and just like do 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 this is for me this is for me I'm here do 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 puppy puppy you know uh I can't imagine what that experience is like and so it it will kind of always deter our experience if we're the only one there because we're going to be on a little bit more of a guard while we're there um and then just kind of go through oh girl get out is just a movie like don't stress yourself out like you'll be fine like you know oh they haven't lynched anybody here (laughs) a hundred years you'll be fine uh yeah yeah it's it's so true and especially when you walk into those spaces where you are being vulnerable whether it's Mm. when you're performing or expressing yourself on stage and then you know specifically with climbing it was like I'm gonna fail like I'm literally gonna fall Mm. um Mm -hmm. while I'm going up this wall my arms feel weak I'm definitely gonna fall down on the floor and it's in a room full of white people I would love it yes for it to be a room full of black people so they could support you know you could feel the support oh girl you get out there there. (laughs) that's all you're so right because also too anything that we do you're not just you you are the entire community you represent every black person and that's we have this linked lineage Mm -hmm. it speaks to a thing like i even had an issue 
you know, at work that was being challenged about the work that I was doing in terms of DEIB. And I'm like, you're not just challenging me. I, I, you're challenging me as a black person doing this job. Right. Right. And so it's like, I am up here representing my entire community. We have this sort of linked representation thing. Like we feel like we're carrying the weight of the entire community. So you climb up that wall. It's like, if you fall, they're like, oh, see, black people can't do it. Exactly. Right. Like, all black people can't climb. Oh, she can't do it because she's black. Mm-hmm. That's what it gets, you know, read up to. We have this extra weight and pressure on us that other folks just don't have. Right, exactly. You're so right. And an added layer is like the concept of taking up space and being mm-hmm. comfortable enough to walk into that gym in Williamsburg, okay, mm-hmm. and be like, mm-hmm. "All right, Already. I'm going to take up space, approach this wall." There are at least four people, four white people on either side of me killing it up the wall. I'm going to just walk in here confidently and (laughs) climb the wall? No. I was so shy at first, and I am not a shy person. You're not. No, that is not like you at all. Well, I applaud you um, because you're a pioneer, and that's how we can start reclaiming these spaces. We've been climbing walls. Mm -hmm. Who y'all think you got this technology from, Andromeda. right? We created all these things. We were this Andromeda. That's who she, <laughs> she had to, they, they were like, Andromeda, chain yourself up onto that platform. And she had to climb up there <laughs> to chain herself up there for that sea monster to eat her. So, you know, she had to she had to do all that. Um, but, you know, there's so many spaces that we've been shut out for. It reminds me of like, you know, I'm reading this book, uh, slowly making my way through Isabel well Isabel Wilkerson's uh cast mm-hmm. it is not an easy read but it just it's so many great anecdotes and just the history of racism and our caste system here in the United States but they you know went into this one about pools and I'm like I understand pools I thought I did but you, you hear the anecdotes and these stories of what was happening um and you know people make this joke of like oh black people can't swim we weren't allowed to go into water mm-hmm. we were it was illegal for us to go into beaches it was illegal for us to go into pools um white folks thought we were you know dirty and we would contaminate the water there was a story of they would throw glass Ooh. into the uh, water if we were in there um they would make it so we could only swim in the fall and the winter uh just all these like outlandish or they would just drain the pools they're like well if we have to share it with everybody and then nobody gets a pool, right? Mm-hmm. There was this really heartbreaking story of this young black kid who he was the only black kid on his team. This is like in the 60s in Ohio. Only black kid on his team. And I point that out. People think like, oh, racism just in the South. No, no, no. Racism is an American pastime. It happened all over this country. And he was the only black kid on their team. They had a victory party at a pool. His parents couldn't come. So he's the only black person there. The lifeguard would not let him in. And they were like, oh, please. He's like, no, but you can put a blanket outside of the pool and he could sit there and watch you all splish splashing around. So people, the parents, the teen kids would take turns sitting with him hot out watching everyone splish splash. There's nothing worse than being by a pool and you can't like it's always so hot when you can't go into the pool, but you can see it. It just it's hotter. And all his friends are out there splish splashing around. And the parents finally convinced the lifeguard to be able to let him come into the pool for a moment. So he's like, fine, but everybody has to get out. So they cleared everybody out, put him in a raft so he couldn't touch the water. And they kept saying, don't touch the water. Just don't touch the water. 
to the kid. And he had to watch everybody staring at him. And they said he was never the same again. Yeah, that's heartbreaking. That is truly Isn't that awful. Heartbreaking mm-hmm. and horrific. Like, and it's disgusting. And I bring up these points to say, y'all start asking questions. Like, these are your stones the way your dad, your uncle, your aunt, your grandmother. We're talking about the 60s. Mm-hmm. And this was nationwide attitudes about black people. Yep. I saw this. I definitely saw um, this woman who asked the literally the same question. Like, are you guys asking your parents about racism? Or are you asking your grandparents how they acted in restaurants and diners and whatnot? Like, are you guys having that conversation as organically as our parents have our have conversations with us mm. and let us know, like, hey, this happened to me? Are your grandparents being like, hey, listen? back in whatever time this is what i was doing um that's a great question i think it's the reverse talk i love that emerald i want to coin that i say to our allies out there y'all need to have the talk with your parents um and i think it will help you gain perspective and maybe have an opportunity for them to put a mirror up to their face of like what and it doesn't have to be in an antagonist it can just asking questions asking honest questions um because it's not as far away as everybody thinks that it was um and until we start dealing with this i have pain and trauma in my body right now i'm going to be honest it's been really hard and challenging (laughs) i don't know if i should put this on here um i don't know it's been very challenging to date white people right now Mm. i I just gotta put that out there and it's hard because it's like i don't know what i need to have pretty much like a a a a a receipt of what your family's behavior was um and what that accountability was because it it hurts Mm -hmm. i can feel it in my heart it feels very close the generational trauma is real and i also need to know what the accountability is on on your part yes you weren't there but what are you now doing i think to me if i know my ancestors did a lot of fucked up shit i is my mission And it's not just putting a black square, but actively doing things to course correct that and and having honest conversations, asking your parents, you know, what were you doing in during the 60s or your grandparents? Like, yeah, you know, we grew up uh, in this town where there were black people not allowed to eat in in the diners. Or did you see any sit ins or what did you think about, you know, Martin Luther King Jr. when he was here or Malcolm X? Like, what were your thoughts or asking having the reverse talk yeah um absolutely the white talk or i don't know what you're calling it but yeah yeah absolutely. we gotta we gotta find a some type of like term for it but i i totally agree and hear you on that it's shifting the weight and responsibility from being purely and solely on us to where it actually needs to be which is like hey have a conversation purely out of curiosity of like, what were your views on this? You know, I'm just really curious. I learned about it in school and I just want to know how you showed up in that space. Um, And to your point about dating, I hear you on that as well. It's kind of like intimacy is, can only, I don't want to say can only, but intimacy feels nice when you really understand the person and can connect with them you know and when you're feeling something in your soul that's inexplainable like it hurts and you can feel it so deeply 
you know, the natural thing might be to, you know, because you are, you cannot relate to this experience, I should just hide it away or tuck it or deal with it as Mm -hmm. we're so used to doing. Um, But truly, if these conversations are happening in their home, they will get perspective, Mm -hmm. like you said, understand um, and start to take some responsibility in a way and understand who you are as a person because that is a part of you you know um and I think that yeah it's really interesting I just recently saw slave play um (gasps) oh I've seen slave it's spicy but it's it's so relatable to this very conversation and I brought, I was dating someone. He is half Dutch, half Egyptian, and but very, I would say, whitewashed in some ways, or kind of was a person of color when it was convenient for him to be able to dabble in certain mm. anecdotes or conversations and stuff like that. But like, um, it put things in perspective, things that I had experienced in my head out there it was almost like so raw it was like oh i've had these experiences when i've been intimate with a white person and there feels sometimes i feel my ancestors like there's this dynamic and i also someone who is i've done my dna test i have many different nationalities and and, and ethnicities running through my, my veins my body but there's still also the trauma of i know that some had experienced or even just you know, I, I wouldn't have been able to go in that pool, right? So I'm already cast off on if I, if I was there in that period. But Slave Play is, it puts it all out there. And I will tell you this, it is the play that made me sort of, that I've been kind of dancing around with his ideas and concepts. And I'm not trying to say, oh, I can't ever be with, you know, a, a white person at all. That's not what I'm saying. I've dated a lot of white guys. But there's been trauma from that experience of having to explain racism or my journey as a black man and i need you to be a refuge not another fight and battle that i am fighting and it's exhausting i need to be able to come home not let my hair down i need to take my wig off Mm -hmm. i need to take my like i need to is that scene in uh annalise keating (laughs) (laughs) it's the annalise keating scene in how to grave murder i'm taking my eyelashes off my wig off i need to just be able to be me and i gotta explain nothing exactly you're just there and you're like hey baby like (laughs) not gonna love you i need the first thing if you here's my advice if you're you're a white guy you want to date i would say a person of color do the work and research and know for yourself don't then start wearing a dashiki (laughs) and that sort of stuff like you don't go too far but like i need to hear personally the first things that come out of you know white guy's mouth is like Oh, I love Angela Davis's Our Prison's Obsolete. I read Cast. It's so good. Like, you know, I read Malcolm X's autobiography. Like, I need to hear that. Like, Black Lives Matter is tattooed on my arm. I volunteer and donate money regularly. Mm -hmm. Like, I need to hear that. It's not just enough to, like, not say the N-word or you don't listen to the Joe Rogan podcast. Like, that's not enough. Right, exactly. And it honestly is tied into kind of like what we were talking about before because what what you look for in any type of partnership whether it be friends lovers is someone that you can turn to and be comfortable with right comfortability intimacy go hand in hand and imagine walking into a space and you're with this person that you love or a friend and you don't feel comfortable in that space the person you're going to look to 
is your friendship, your partner, your whoever it is to check in. Um, And when they don't get or understand because they haven't done the research, because they haven't done the reading, um, you know, to understand the dynamics of space and taking up space, then it's it's kind of heartbreaking in a way. It's like, ooh, I was looking at you to feel, you know, to check in with you and you just don't get it. You're just you gonna yell at me like, just go, just walk. You have <laughs> just brought up, I really think I'm having more trauma than I thought. And I don't think we ever really understand the trauma around dating sometimes. And especially when you add in dynamics or race into it and we've been taught so much to brush things off oh it's not that bad but these microaggressions these tiny paper cuts before you know it i'm bleeding all over the place because i've been cut so many times i've had that exact experience a white guy that i was dating from portland went up to go visit him and we were getting all these eyes and the other couple who was gay they weren't getting these eyes but i knew it was because it was just like Oh, black guy, interracial couple. Like, they just all these eyes. And there we forget, it was, like, illegal for black people to own property up until, like, not that, like, I want to say within the 20th century. Like, Oregon was founded to be a white utopia. So, again, this racism thing is, like, all over the place. And I don't know. I think I would like to, well, I have my homework assignment in therapy. I would like to unpack perhaps some of the trauma around racism that i have experienced in my relationships but i just put it off of like oh just relationship just didn't work but feeling like the you know being in you know all white settings and dating someone who's white and having to navigate that or laugh off at certain jokes or feeling like do i want to pick up that battle or do i want to defend that or or have to like you know oh you know, like you, there's another, and I'm like, I'm just trying to date my boo. And my boo's not even sticking up for me or even noticing these things. That's not their world. Right. Exactly. And then, you know, not, not to linger so long, but it also goes hand in hand with feeling valued because those feelings are super valid and you should be able to express them. You should be able to look at your person and say, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Even if it's like just with a look on your face or a, or I don't know, so that they can then be like, Mm -hmm. Hey, let's go either gossip or dance it off, you know, some one or the two. And I never had that with uh, a white partner. I will say that not once. Nope. Nope. And it's important. You want to check in with your person. You want to say like, Hey, something doesn't feel right here. Um, and, and you want to feel valued enough that they can take a moment to say, okay, this is now the priority. Let's chat about it. Let's check in with each other. How can I make you feel more comfortable? Are we just dipping? Are we king a car then dipping? Are we? (laughs) (laughs) Dang. Well, I live in San Francisco, so I'm about to stay super single because there is like four black people here and, you know, we're, yeah. (laughs) Come back to New York. That's it. I can't, but I will tell you this, New York, you beautiful. Oh my goddess, the men's, they were so hot. It was just this diaspora of human beings that were just so fucking gorgeous. I do miss it. And I knew when I was moving, I was like, oh, I guess I'm going to be in San Francisco. And I was like, and yeah, I'm going to be single. I just already had a feeling oh, yeah, and it's, yeah. uh, it's been proven me right. But maybe LA might have a different story for me. I have hope. Exactly. Have hope. Fingers crossed. It's going to be a little bit better for me in LA. Um, <laughs> 
this was so lovely emerald this was so great it's been so worth it's been like well over maybe almost two years since i had i know 2020 2020 it's been 35 years james 35 years (laughs) too good and uh i appreciate you so great what a beautiful conversation and and thank you for going on this ride emerald and uh oh did you have one last thing who's this new paramour Oh, yes. Yeah. Just to end on like a super happy note, something to do with your angst and where to put it. You know how growing up it was like Haley Williams, Paramore. So there's this new band. They're called Meet Me at the Altar. They're fantastic. That's what I'll leave you with. They're just amazing. They're just so whenever you're feeling angsty or even like a badass, like after I go on a run and I'm feeling all that adrenaline and I'm walking back home, I listen to them because I feel like I conquered the world. <gasps> and they're cute. They're so cute. AF, you had me at, you know, I love a diversity photo. Like this is cute. <laughs> Loving the color. Done. Thank you for this. I love it. Meet me at the altar. Done and done maybe looks a little i don't want to judge a book by its cover but looks a little little generation zq queer yeah i think so i think so their stories are really fun but gen z one out of six they're saying is queer like they're just getting they're just a queer generation absolutely and i love it Well, there we go. That is the show. Hey, I just rhymed there. Well, so amazing. Again, I want to remind y'all, come on over to Get On Up with Jam and Renee. It's every Monday through Friday, 7 to 9 a.m. We will not actually be on uh, President's Day. So next week will be uh, Tuesday through Friday. Uh, But again, we are on 7 to 9 a.m. Pacific time, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern time. Just open up your Alexa or Echo device and say... Alexa open back channel or you can catch us on YouTube on the back channel stream the link is in the notes uh, it's kind of hard to find but we're on the net it's not we're called back channel uh, but the great thing about this show is it's interactive so you can comment chat with us it's uh, really really cool we're test piloting it so I would love for you minority corners our minority corner kids come on and join, join the get on uppers you'll see me and can I pet your dogs Renee Colvert talking about all kinds of stuff we play games we unpack a lot of the stuff that we do here but in more detail and you can give your live thoughts and feedback right then and there so it's a really great way for us to be in touch in ways that we have never been before so again uh, open up your alexa or echo say open back channel and or hop on the youtube and then if you miss the episode live don't worry you can catch all of our past episodes on youtube at back channel so uh it's been really really fun and can't wait for y'all to join us over there speaking of our producer editor sarah brown is the producer of that show so the whole family's over there so better get on up get on over to get on up Uh, put that on a t-shirt well that's gonna be it for today uh really jazzed to come back at it again uh next week i believe uh mackenzie green is back to help us close out black history month and get enter into women's history month so just transitioning right on over to there so big thank you to sarah brown our producer big thank you to our guest co-host emerald holding down for two weeks and our production coordinator lori fowler and all of our wonderful minority corner listeners you're so great we love you we love you we love you uh you're so great can't do the show without you so thank you all so much for listening to minority corner because together we're the majority
MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.